This weekend here at St. Mary's, we near the halfway point of our missionary discipleship homily series as we come to week number four, as we also continue to focus on this great task of being a place, being a parish where missionary disciples are formed and sent. So we're about halfway through. Uh, last weekend, and again this weekend, we want to focus on the life of prayer. Everyone, on the life of prayer. That might beg the question as to why. If our goal, right, is for all of us, every single parishioner, every single baptized one among us, to be a missionary disciple who's formed and sent, if that's our goal, I think we all know that the life of prayer would be the very heart of what we do. The life of prayer is at the center. Uh, John Paul II said that education in prayer should be the central point of any pastoral planning. Let me say that again. Education and prayer should be the center of any pastoral planning. So if we're trying to lay out a bit of a pastoral vision for a parish, then listening to a saint, we know that prayer and education and prayer for all of us should be at the very center. Now, if we take that one step further, we can say that the parish, everyone, the parish, is meant to be a school of prayer, right? A school of prayer where prayer is taught. Now, if this, in any parish for that matter, is meant to be a school of prayer, where is prayer lived, right? Where do we live prayer? We live it right here. We live it in our soul and in our heart. This is where prayer is lived. Now, I think for many of us, I don't want to tell you what you think, but it seems that oftentimes for many of us, myself at times, we can kind of resign ourselves to just living a rather shallow life of prayer. Hear that rightly. But sometimes we just lack any confidence that I can have a rich, deep, meaningful, life-giving prayer life, right? And sometimes we just resign ourselves to, ah, you know, I'll say grace before meals. I'll throw up a few Hail Marys when I need to. I'll walk in. I'll use a little holy water. I'll sit down. I'll just kind of, you get the point. And we just kind of say, well, that's just going to be my life of prayer. If we have confidence, everyone, that a rich, meaningful, life-giving prayer life is possible, then it can happen. I also want to offer a disclaimer here this morning. And the disclaimer would be this. Many of you could much more easily give this homily than me. Many of you have a much richer, much more life-giving, much more substantial life of prayer than I do. And I don't say that with any type of false humility. I say that sincerely, that many of you could easily talk about prayer because of what it means and what it is to you. So that's my disclaimer. Now, last weekend, both Father Vetter and I proposed two essential habits of trying to make life, trying to make prayer richer. 
two habits, okay? Um, you didn't know this, but there's four habits, two last weekend, two now this weekend. If you missed last weekend, if you need a quick recap, habit number one, as you might remember, was what? To acknowledge, right? To name and to notice the primary thoughts, feelings, desires taking place in our hearts. To acknowledge, name, and notice the primary thoughts, feelings, desires of our heart. Now, I know this is starting to sound kind of clinical and a bit philosophical, but stay with me. What do I mean by thoughts, feelings, and desires? This is what I mean. Our own thoughts, feelings, and desires are the primary place where we as human beings experience reality. It's where we come in touch with reality through our thoughts, through our feelings, and through our desires. So a quick little exercise for us. I bet if I asked you, what is the primary thought you have had taking place, rattling around your head this past week, I bet you can name it, right? I bet there's been a primary thought that has preoccupied your mind and my mind this past week. That's what it means to take notice of our thoughts. If we talk about emotions, right, or feelings, I bet there's been a primary emotion present in your heart, maybe an emotion about a family tension, family conflict, health, financial, whatever. I bet there's been a primary emotion taking place in your family, in your heart. That's what it means to pay attention and be aware of emotions. Desires. I bet you this week, everyone, there's been a primary thing we've been seeking, a primary thing we've been wanting, a primary thing we've been desiring. That's thoughts, feelings, desires. That's where the human person comes into contact with reality. Now, why is it so important to take notice of thoughts, feelings, desires? Here's why. Many individuals today, and maybe throughout history, oftentimes have very little awareness of what's happening right here. All we're asking, all this is proposing, is just take notice of what's happening in your heart. St. Teresa of Avila said this, the first step to spiritual growth is to understand oneself. To understand oneself when we do so by naming, noticing, acknowledging thoughts, feelings, desires. That's step two. Father Vetter walked you through that last week if you were at the nine o'clock mass. Probably much better than me, but there you go. Number two, relate. Relate. So now that we take notice of thoughts, feelings, desires, what do we do with them? We entrust them to who? To God. We share them with Jesus. We tell him about them. We entrust them to him. We hand them over to him. We relate them to him. Now, I also want to be clear about this with relating things to Jesus. Relating things to the Lord presupposes this. That God exists. That God is present. That God cares and is interested in who? In you. Right? It's really hard to relate things to Jesus if we don't believe he cares about us. 
It's really hard to relate things to Jesus if we don't think he's real. Let me give you a little example. Imagine walking into a pitch dark room, pitch black, you can't see a thing, and you just start talking. And you kind of have a little bit of hope that somebody else is in the room listening. How many of us approach prayer like that? God, maybe you're out there, maybe not. I'm going to just throw this out there. And if you're listening, I hope you catch it. If that's how we see God, that's a whole nother issue. That's a whole nother homily series, okay? Relating things to Jesus, everyone, we stand on the ground of faith that God is not only present, but he cares about you. That's what it means to relate. Those were the first two. Now this weekend we want to introduce two new habits. They're the last two and both begin with the word R, letter R, excuse me. Number three, habit number three would be to receive. Receive. Now, this is really hard for us, right? And here's part of the reason it's so hard for us to receive. Do you remember in the Gospels, When Jesus says, ask and you shall receive, seek and you will find, knock and the door will be open to you. Whoever asks, receives, seeks, finds, knocks, the door will be open. Remember that? What does Jesus mean by ask and you shall receive? So does he mean ask for a million bucks and he'll give you a million bucks? Does he mean for Aaron Rodgers, ask for a redo And he'll give Rodgers a redo on that third and 11. No, he doesn't. Why? Because Jesus is not Santa Claus on steroids. He's God. And he gives you what you need 100% of the time, holding nothing back. Ask and you shall receive. Let's approach it like this. We oftentimes forget, everyone, that we as human beings stand in a posture of total dependency on God all the time. The fact that you exist rather than not exist, the fact that there is air to breathe rather than not to breathe, the fact that there is food on the table and a roof over our head means God provides for you and we stand in a posture of total dependency on him. And why is this so hard for us 21st century Americans? Because we are the self-made man. Right? Oh, I might believe in God, but Father, I provide for me. It's hard to enter heaven with that type of attitude. Jesus is talking about childlike dependency. We are totally dependent on him. If he stops holding you in existence, you cease to exist, and me too. Now, that being said, if we stand in a posture of total dependency on God, one of the most important things we can do in the spiritual life is this simple. Receive love from God. Receive his personal love for you. But Father, I got all these things. I got this past, I got these sins, I got these worries, I got these anxieties. You don't know. You're right, I don't. But he does. 
So what does it mean to receive love from God? It means, Jesus, all I want is to receive your love. If you were to ask me what's the number one thing that plagues humanity today, what's one thing we could do? If I were to narrow it down to one thing, it'd be this simple. Receive more love from God. Receive more of God's personal love and interest and care for you, period. Habit number three, receive love from God. Fourth one, here we go. Now that we've done all this, we eventually have to respond. That's the fourth word, respond. This is where the rubber meets the road, right? After we've acknowledged what's going on, once we relate it to Jesus in faith, once we then stand in a posture of receiving God's personal love for me, all that is meant to point to a response from you and I. Because that then changes everything. If we're receiving love from God, we treat our spouse differently. If we're receiving love from God, we live our motherhood and fatherhood and priesthood totally differently. Because we know God's in love with us. And that's the conviction that we stand on. Acknowledge, relate, receive, respond. A-R-R-R. Now, I also want to make one last note. If this sounds like just four steps of, okay, Father, I'm going to give it a shot this week. Um, I'm going to pray for 20 minutes a day. First five minutes, ready, go. I'm going to acknowledge. And I'm just going to tell things to Jesus. Acknowledge things, I should say. Then when those five minutes are up, okay, time now to relate. I'm going to now share these things with Jesus for five minutes. That's not how this works. These are habits of prayer, not simply steps. So where do we do this? What does this look like? It can be done not just in church. It can be done anywhere. So imagine, everyone, you're driving to work. And you notice in your heart, because you're acknowledging a certain heaviness, a certain, where this come from, you say? Like yesterday was fine? When did things kind of get a little twisted? Why is there this heaviness there? And you acknowledge that. And then you bring it to Jesus, and you realize this is more than just the Mondays. <laughs> this is more than just January in North Dakota. Where did this start? And then all of a sudden you remembered that right before you left the house, you and your spouse had an argument. And it went unresolved. And some things that were said were hurtful, both that you said and received. And then all of a sudden you say, ah, that was it. That's when things got heavy. This is what we mean by self-awareness. Naming it. Then bringing that to Jesus. Say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm going to do better next time. When I have a break at work today, I'm going to call my spouse and say, tonight we're going to go on a date. And we're going to talk about that. That's you then responding. 
So do you see how this plays out, not just in our spiritual life, but life in general? Everyone, I hope that every single person here has much greater confidence that a real prayer life is the heart of a missionary disciple. May we acknowledge, relate, receive, respond. Give it a shot this week.